we're in week seven, which is the cross. Wow, the cross. That's awesome. So we'll be going through Mark um, 14 to, through to Mark 15, 147. Um, we're not going to read everything. We're not going to actually read it now. But um, from, the, from Mark 14, 32 to 42, it was the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. In, from 43 to 50 was Jesus' betrayal, arrest, and the rest till Mark 15, 47, his trial, conviction, mockery, death, and barrier. Let us, let us pray. Father, I just want to thank you this afternoon for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, as we look into your word, as we look to your cross this afternoon, will you strike something new, something fresh? Will you stir our faith, oh God? Holy Spirit, we so need you desperately. Will you come and Amplify the name of Jesus in this place, in Jesus' name. So, um, generally, in general terms, crucifixion is a method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed to a large wooden beam, which we call the cross, and left to hang, perhaps for several days, until eventual death from exhaustion and asphyxiation, it's like, you get choked, ox, loss, of, loss of oxygen. So crucifixion was most often performed to dissuade these witnesses because it's done openly. So it's to make sure that people who are looking on who want to commit the same offense, like the person that is hanging on the, on the cross, is to dissuade them, say, hey, you better not do that. So victims were sometimes left on display after death as a warning to other potential criminals, crucifixion was usually intended to provide a death that was particularly slow, painful, hence the term excruciating. So literally, out of crucifying, gruesome, humiliating, and um, very public. So the authority used whatever means most expedient for that goal. So various attempts have been made to capture the cross. I mean, we're not just talking about any cross. We're talking about the cross. And what actually happened is not just the cross. It is what happened on the cross, the crucifixion. Hollywood has tried to capture it for us. How many people have watched The Passion for the Christ? You know. So, if you look at the punishment, you're asking yourself, why, why that punishment? Why? Well, um, Romans, we sang it, we sang songs here about how, who we have before, who we are now. Romans 3.23 tells us that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. If you look at John 1.29, when Jesus appeared, it says, refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Martin Luther, the monk, said as God, 
he could not die. So he became man in order to die. On the cross, he accepted the sin of man against himself. And as a perfect, innocent man, he accepted the injustice of man against man. Um, you know, Isaiah 53, Bible history has Isaiah prophesying about 740 B.C. This chapter is the greatest single Old Testament chapter prophesying the Messiah's atoning work on the cross. Let's look at Isaiah 53. It says, um, he was despised and rejected by men. It says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. It's like somebody is asking a question that, hey, are you seeing what I'm saying? Our estimation of him, even bearing our grief, was something different. He was wounded, verse 5, for our transgressions. He was crushed. Look, look at those words, crushed, stricken for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep, the before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who, cons um, who considered what his, he, he was cut off out of the land of living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to death, he was put to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You know, when you look at verse 7, it says he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth. But there was nothing for him to say. Because we're guilty. There's no talking us out of the crisis we face. What else will he say? It has to be his life. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God has given it upon the altar to make atonement for the soul. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul of a man. The judgment has already been written is life for life. So when there was when he did not open his mouth is because there was nothing he could say other than give his life for you and for me. You know when we think about the cross, see the songwriter says you will never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. You, you, you can think it, you know, I mean this has been this week has been so overwhelming for me because 
I don't think I pay much attention to the pain of the cross, what he went through for me, me. And, um, you know, um, John 3, 16, when we're trying to see what's the God's plan in all of this, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There's also the question of redemption. Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. So, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You know, attempts have been made to dismantle the hope of Christianity, suggesting that Jesus had not really died and that the disciples had his body stolen. But make no mistake about this. Records and accounts speak unequivocally of a death that was real, a grave that was silent, and a situation that appeared beyond hope. The Romans were thorough in carrying out capital sentences, especially for those accused of treason. It is the Jewish custom to heap rocks on, on valleys of criminals to represent for some there, w- w- there, there will not be life beyond the grave. This is the faith that should have been ours and the destiny of humanity. And yet... Our hope is that through the one who went to the grave before us and for us who have put our trust in him, the one who transcends the grave itself, we too may experience new life in him. It is on the back of this that I want us to look at the plan of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 14. I'm I'm just going to um, try and take my time here because um, I, 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 I went over this over and over and over. And there is something that if we can get this thing, my goodness, it just put a new spin into how we see the cross. Um, I, I'm nowhere equal to Apostle Paul. I'm not making any attempt to even equate myself with him. But the charge Paul had in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 14, we're going to look at it, is that um, he came to the church in Corinth to proclaim Christ crucified. That was his agenda. And, and, And he says, when I came to you, brothers, and sisters, he doesn't say sister, but I'm saying sister. Brothers who use the word brothers used there include the original word includes sisters, so it's not sexist word. <laughs> so I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech of wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words. The word plausible words is whether the word is rational, logic, or likely of wisdom. So, but in the demonstration of the, the spirit and of power. Paul is asking us to see more than the intellect now. I know in this room there are many intellectuals, you know. I, but but, but what we're about here this afternoon is not about your intellect. Because it is something of faith that must be received by faith. In fact, that you have a head knowledge and you have a sympathy in your heart that he went to the cross for you can really do you not a lot unless you receive it by faith. I don't want to lose you, but you'll understand what I mean in a minute. It says that, um, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Um, I'm not an eloquent person. I'm not an orator, but even if I am, there's no much of my words that can really proclaim the crucified Lord. He says, yet, look, okay, look, look at this. He says, the wisdom from the Spirit. So yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, people who are in high places governing the affairs of the day, intellectuals. He says, in those days, they're doomed to pass away, but we impart the secrets and the hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. If we get this right, it is for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have what? Crucified the Lord of glory. So you know the thing about the cross, they don't understand it. The people that were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, are the same people that turn and say, crucify him, crucify him. You see, we're very fickle. How much how clever we are in our mental state, man, we're short-sighted. We're up and down. Today hot, tomorrow cold. But, but we don't look at the cross like that. It is an event that happened. It is a gruesome event. You know, we cannot be here today if not because of the cross. Some of the songs were saying um, we were having communion the other day. We couldn't have communion. Some of the breakthrough we have in the church, I'm looking at some of you. You were never like this before. So come and organize. What God has done in your life, you know. You know that something happened beyond your intellectuals. It's not the college you went to or you didn't go to. It is the walk of the spirit in your heart. What the cross points to us is not to the level of Understanding we have attained how much degrees after our name. It is what God has done in your life. I come from a family who's somehow clever, but I'm the least clever of all of them. So in my home, if anything is scholarly, they don't come to me. You know what I mean? But the thing is, what God has done in my life, 
if I went to Cambridge, the evil in my heart cannot be thought out of it. I was a foul person. But when the Holy Spirit got hold of my life, not the lectures I went to, I didn't go to. <laughs> you know, I did a four-year course. If I used six years to do it. <laughs> that, that shows how clever I was in school. It, it, I, I, I never pride. I got a third class at the university. I finished. My dad said to me, at least you finished. <laughs> Don't do this. You know, in, um, in, in Nigeria, I changed the postal, the postal address of my results. <laughs> so all my results, my half time, they were going somewhere else. <laughs> but if not for Jesus... So I was clever somehow, <laughs> but I was a, I was a crook, <laughs> saved by the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. He <laughs> says, "None of the rulers of this age <laughs> if they had, they would not have crucified the glory. However, as it is written, what I, what no I have seen, whether on the university lecture room or here, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These things are revealed. God has revealed to us by his spirit. You know, if we the call of God on our life is that have you received his love for you? And are you responding to his love? These things are prepared for those who love him. These are the things God revealed to us. The call of obedience. See, the spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. Obedience to the call of God has its reward. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one's know the thought of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. The thing about the cross is not about the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Not intellect, but God. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, intellectuals, but words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with the Spirit-taught words. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are, they are fully to him. Other translations say their foolishness is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You can only recognize or find them out by the help of the Holy Spirit. So I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that the story of the cross is not a one-day event. It is a lifetime event. I don't even understand the fullness of it yet. 
until we get to the other side because as we stay close to the Lord, he reveals his heart to us more and more. Um, what is our rightful response? What is our rightful response to what God is doing in our life? Through his love, his redemption for us. This, um, this leads us to begin to ask ourselves certain questions. If you look at um, Luke 3, we'll look at Luke 9, 23 and 14, 27. You see, we've talked about the cross, but what's the essence of the cross? It's not just a personal event that has happened. It is to make us to start to do something. Luke, Luke 9, 23. Um, he says, then it's, this is Jesus. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny, deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. Luke 14, 27, he says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. To take up the cross is not that you should go and nail yourself to another cross. To take up the cross is to renounce self-centered ambitions. When we look at the cross, it is at a great cost, inconvenience, and humiliation that Jesus came to save us. As we look at the cross, we're not just remembering a significant event, but the purpose of the event. We're asking ourselves questions. How are we to take up our individual crosses? You know, greater love has no man than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. That's what Jesus said. And um, there's the tension to the work as disciples. There's, you know, that scripture says that this thing about the cross is for our own glory. And and I believe when I was preparing, God is actually speaking to me about welling. For us welling guys, you know. Um, I, want, I want us to look at Mark 14, 32 to 42. So this is, um, this is what happened uh, just before Jesus went to the cross. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and they began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed. If it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take the cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Then they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. 
you know, we see um, Jesus honest enough to admit to a troubled soul. Um, he starts to feel the agony of what he is about to go through. He resigned himself to the will of his father. Not my will, he said, but yours. He abandoned himself to God in the face of unspeakable pain, knowing God's glory ultimately is the only thing that matters. The cross reminds us of a new way of living, church. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Where are you in your journey? Has the old gone? The things you used to do, are you still doing it? The places where you used to go, are you still been there? You know, there will be issues that would tempt us, tempt us to put on hold kingdom business. We will have genuine reasons why we cannot commit to certain demands of our local church. We sometimes wait for a better version of ourselves to give our all. This is an illusion. Um, I have in the past, I must admit, talk and reason myself out of opportunities to serve the purposes of God. But we are to carry, but we are to carry our cross and follow him. He has not given us any room of excuses. In fact, what he said was to come to me, ye that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I was speaking, when I was um, contemplating about the tension we feel in, in being disciples, you know, we have been torn between two words. The Galatians talk about the work of the spirit and of the flesh. You've got to choose which way you want to go. Um, and I'm, I'm reminded of Luke 17 um, uh, about this. You know, remember the story of the ten lepers. Um, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten, ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. If you know the story of lepers, if, you're lep if, you, if you have a condition, it's a skin disease, in those days you are kept out of the city. You're ostracized. You're isolated somewhere. You're not admitted into the city. Woe to you if you turn up into the city. So these guys were in, in the village. The Bible said they saw him from afar and they called out to him. How far are you away from him today? He's the one that comes for the ostracized. He comes for the neglected. He comes from the people that everybody has forgotten. And Jesus called them and he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And, and, and sometimes, more, I see that as their cross. You know, they have every reason to tell Jesus, no, we cannot go. But in obedience to the voice of the Lord, they started to walk. The Bible says, and as they went, they were healed. And, and some of us were giving ourselves reasons why we cannot do that, we cannot do this, because I have this. But the, the, the word of the Lord to you today is, as you carry your cross, as you go, full self, we've been saved, but we're being saved. It is a gradual process. As we commit to the things of God, as we commit to the things of the Spirit, as we go, things will definitely change. Well, in this is the 
a word for us. As we pursue Christ, as we carry our cross, regardless, I mean, some of us have genuine reasons why we cannot be there, be here, or do this. We have this. Let's stop making excuses. Let's carry our cross. You know, we, we tell ourselves, I'm going to we do this maybe next week or do that next week. Let me tell you something. Tomorrow is, is a promise. Who told you you will make it next week? You know, James earlier was telling us, you know, in this series, saying about if Jesus turned off today, what will you do? If you know that it's coming tomorrow, will you do things differently? If you know for definite, for my daughter said for therefore, that it's coming tomorrow. If it's coming tomorrow, what will you do differently? I'm asking you, what will you do differently? Let us look at um, two, Tim, two, two, I'm bringing this to an end. Now let's look at 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 5. This is an appeal to Timothy by Paul. And, you know, last week, Yemi was reminding us about Titus 2, 11. Uh, um, I wasn't looking at our notes. It just happened to be in my notes as well. It says, Titus 2, 2, 1 to 5, it says, um, You there, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I've always noticed that if what you can be strong in, you can also be weak in it. It says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will always be... Uh, be who also will be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The scripture calls us soldiers. It says, um, no one serving as a soldier get entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes in a, as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. I'm telling you, the work of the Spirit has rules of engagement. Um, he says, for the grace of God, as up to Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared, uh, has appeared that offers salvation to all. On the cross, when Jesus hung, that was God's grace. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We're just not left on our own vices to just live anyhow we want to. Grace tells us. You know, it says about get, get entangled in civilian affairs. You know, we, we need, I don't know, but you need to see yourself as a soldier of the Lord. I'm a soldier of the Lord. I'm a soldier. I don't need to sing. I'm a soldier of the Lord. And anything... If you look at yourself, anything that stops you moving forward in the things of God, and it's not God asking you not to move forward, must be something you've entangled yourself in. You know, entangled, it means it's just coiled around you. It limits your mobility. You cannot move. You want to do this, but you can't. You're already entangled. The Lord said we should pray for each other. If you're entangled, let's pray the spirit of grace in this place today to bring liberty. Um, 
God's grace teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. Finally, I want to look, I want, I want, before we start to pray, Chris, I'm ask you to get ready. Um, I want to look at Matthew 11, 12. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading all the scriptures are from NIV, um, no, from ESV, but this one is from way more New Testament. Matthew eleven twelve. He said, but from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violent assaults. He says, and the violent have been seasoned by force. So some of the things that Jesus has done for us, the grace of God is stirring us in our heart that the work of the kingdom some of them, you just have to take it by violence. You yourself have to just desire inside of you. I was listening to my daughter's story. She just decided to go for this. We've just got to decide how we want to go about our life. It's no longer business as usual. If we want things to be transformed and changed in our life, we have to make a decision for God. There will be, re- be good reasons why we cannot move forward in God. But if God is not limiting us, why do we have to limit ourselves? Let us rise on our feet. I don't know about you, but there's more. There's more. And we want to ask God, especially for us in Welling, we we, our desire is that welling is it's not that welling is on the heart of God. Welling is, but that we will see welling transformed by this foolish gospel of the cross. It is foolishness. The, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But we're going to start with us. What are the things our crosses that we need to carry? What are those things that we need to just say, Lord, I'm giving this up for you. That I want more of you. More of your grace. That I'm just letting this go. I'm just giving it up for you. I'm speaking to myself as well. That Lord, will you help me? Will you, will you help me? Will you register these things for me? Holy Spirit, will you come and speak to my heart. What are those things? Life that, things I need to adjust in my life. Life issues that I need to make adjustment of for the sake of the gospel. I can do better. I can do better. Ask yourself the same question. What, what, what are the things that you need to, what are the crosses that are limiting you? Remember those stories as the lepers, as they worked because of the voice of Jesus, they were cleansed, they were made whole. The story of the cross is about making whole people, making something out of nothing. That's the story of the cross that we, 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 we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's lift our heart to Him, church. Let's ask Him to come and do something new in our life, in our heart.
that the cross will not just be something we talk about in the stories. Oh, another Easter has come. No. Now, Lord, this will be a different Easter. It was, it's like we get a new commission to move for God. His word is faithful. 